Join Hanson Scotty Wednesday at LHM Riverdale from noon to 3 at 1481 West Riverdale Road in Riverdale. Joined right now by our college football insider, Riley Jensen. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Riley, good morning. What's up, dudes? How's everything going? Not not as good for us as it is for you. Have you come down yet from Saturday night? You were on Twitter going berserk. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen or heard you more excited about a team winning a game than the Aggies winning that bowl game and getting win number eleven. Listen, listen, I'm, I, I, you know, I converted halfway through the season because PK told me that if it wasn't ten wins, that we were, that that it was bust. And so once I got converted, I was all in. I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm like a, a convert that's really excited about Utah State football. Riley, I didn't convert you. The spirit of football converted you. <laughs> I love your humility. I love your humility. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, and, and, and please, Utah State fans, don't like drive off the road saying I got converted to Utah State football. I, could, I got converted to the idea that they could win 10 games, and they won 11. I mean, it, seriously, it was... It was very fun. I thought the one thing that I that I didn't expect that was a little bit more fun as a Utah State alumni and fan was I, I just thought the L.A. Bowl had kind of a good look to it, and a good feel. I mean, the SoFi Stadium, I thought it was going to be so big that it just looked ridiculous on TV. It sounded loud. I thought both teams played really hard. Um, they looked like they both wanted to be there and that they both wanted to win that game. I thought, uh, and then I thought, again, and and I know that I've given you guys some guff about the defense, but I think we all know that the defense at certain times during the year was just like a big head scratcher. Like, God, what are we, what are we going to get out of these guys? But whatever they, whatever they figured out, you know, over those last two games, that was, that was a, a really high level of defense that Utah State played. And then, God, you know, the offense has played so well. And then, you know, Cooper Lega, you know, at least everybody knows how to pronounce his name now. <laughs> you come in, I thought Legas looked good. <laughs> I mean, you come in, you throw a touchdown on your first pass ever. I mean, people are going to figure out how to say your name. So there was just a, a lot of fun things if you're a Utah State fan. Um, I was – you know, my my parents are Utah State Aggies. I have uncles that are Utah State Aggies. A lot of their friends are Aggies. A lot of them were arguing with me that the best team ever is the 1961, you know, Merlin Olsen, ranked number 10 in the, in the nation, 9-1-1. One, and one. And there's lots of good reasons to think that, that that might be the best team, but this is the most current, and it's the only one I've ever seen that's played this hard and this consistent for the whole season. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. So, that was a huge, uh, just a just a huge exclamation point to the season for the Aggies. How disappointed should BYU fans be over their bowl loss, or do they write it off? Backup quarterback, rain game, uh, lots of injuries on defense. It doesn't it doesn't diminish the season. 
Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to tell them whether they can be upset about it or not. But I, I don't know. I think. I think there was a little bit of a taste. I mean, just from the outside looking in, I was kind of hoping that all three teams would win their bowl game and that all three teams would, you know, like kind of ride off into the like best best season ever for the state of Utah for the for the three you know FBS teams. So I. There was a little bit for me that was disappointed. I, you know, I thought I thought they played well enough to win that game. I thought defensively, I was a little bit shocked in, in certain places where they weren't where they weren't able to make those timely or or those important plays where you get off the field and give give your offense a chance. And then, you know, I don't know about the Samson Nakua call. I thought I I really didn't think that he made a football move, I, I, but. You know, that's one of those things where you just got to take care of the football, and then you don't have you don't have to leave it in the referee's hands, right? And even though I think that was probably a bad call, um, I, I I guess going back to your original question, I, I'm a little bit disappointed about it. So I'm sure that BYU fans are a little bit disappointed, and I think it's okay. But I still think it's a great season, and I still think there there are so many things to be happy about. If you're a BYU fan, I'm to go back to this quarterback situation for Utah State. Now he knows that he's elevated from third to second team in this game, so it's a little bit different. But how does somebody stay ready and mentally into the situation when you've not had any opportunities to do anything in the games? Well, I, I will say this: when 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 you play in a bowl game. The the reps are the, the reps are a little bit different. So typically, when, whenever I was involved in a bowl game, the whole first week is kind of like get young guys some extra reps, right? So and and depending on 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 when you know finals are and all that kind of stuff, and you're working you're working out a lot of details when you're doing this kind of stuff, and then. Of course, Utah State's coaches are going to be out on the road recruiting really hard in the first week. And then in the second week, they come back and they kind of get prepared. But my guess is is that Cooper had a lot of reps, a lot more reps than he normally would have. Um, I, know, I know that Logan Bonner had been injured quite a bit during this year. I mean, his, his ankle has never really had you know, that opportunity to heal the way that, that, that he would like it, the way the team would like it. And he's been very, very tough. He's been very scrappy throughout the whole year to be able to. But my guess is also that he didn't take as many reps because he was hurt. And so you've got, you know, you've got two quarterbacks out now. My guess is that he got a lot of reps. But that doesn't, I mean, that all being said, you have to have a special kind of mentality as a second-string quarterback, as a relief pitcher, as someone. You have to have a certain level of maturity to be able to handle that situation because it's not easy. Um, everybody thinks like, oh, yeah, man, it would be so great play college football. You don't get hurt. You don't take the hits. But as a competitor, you have to be able to sit there and go, okay, i got to get mental reps here. i got to do well on the reps that I get. And then who knows, if I get called, i got to be ready to go. But, I mean, you're also looking at a kid. I mean, Cooper Legault won two state championships as a quarterback. He, I think he threw two state championships as a javelin and then had two as a wrestler. I mean, this is, this is a competitive kid. And for, 
you know, <laughs> I, I love wrestling, so don't everybody don't get mad at me here. But man, if any if anybody plays football and they wrestled. Every single wrestler in the world has to tell me how great that is. <laughs> I always get lectured about, oh my gosh, he wrestled in high school and he played football. That's why he's such a good football player. No, he's just a freaking stud athlete. Like, I don't care whether he wrestled or not. He's a, he's a really good athlete. So, um, But he is, he's a competitor. And I think he was ready. And I think you have to tip your cap to him a little bit because that's not an easy situation to be in. So how does the quarterback situation play itself out next year? The transfer portal's a big thing. you got three guys who have to be thinking. They have to be thinking, I could do it. I could be the guy. I could be the guy, and we could go big. They all have to be thinking that. I think all, I, I think all three of them could make an argument that, you know, that, that they should be or could be the guy. I think – I think those are good problems to have as a coach, or at least they used to be good problems to have. Now, I would not be surprised if one of those quarterbacks isn't here next year. And I, and I don't have any inside information I don't have. But just the nature of the position, the nature of the fact that all three in different games this year really contributed to that Mountain West Conference championship and um, played really well at certain times, they, all three of them have enough film to, to do whatever they want. Um, but I just think I, – I, and I don't think it'll be Logan Bonner. I think it'll be one of those two. But Cooper has – you know, he, he has a few more years left of eligibility. So you're, you're looking at somebody that, like, could maybe be patient for a year and then, and then, and then kind of take over the program. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be really, really interesting to see how this all turns out. The key now for Anderson and the Aggies is to keep this thing going. And, boy, he really set a standard here, obviously, in the first year. And we were talking about this the other day. You know, Boise has hit on so many good coaches that maybe they're due <laughs> to not have a right? slam dunk who's going to go on and, and get a big P5 job, P5 job because there's been so many of them. So what can the Aggies do? to maintain this and do you think they have a legitimate shot now to be uh the, at least in the division the team to beat yeah, well i don't think they're the team to beat till they beat boise <laughs> I, I mean, they didn't beat boise love, you got me there yeah i mean I, I listen i i would love i would love to say that but i mean there just hasn't been enough wins over boise you know over the years for us to to, to really just like you know pound our chest and say we're the team of the division, although I think they made a huge statement this year. I think I think that's one thing that you would use as motivation as a coach, right? Like, look, we haven't we haven't really put them in their place. We haven't really put them where they're supposed to be. And man, I hope you're right. I hope you're right, PK, because man, it'd be nice if if Boise State could just like come down a notch and not land every single coach for eternity, you know. And uh, but but Utah State sent a huge message. I think they did such an impressive job with the portal last year and there's indications that they've got you know, they got a linebacker out of our Arkansas State portal. They got MJ Tafisi who I was around when I was coaching at Alta who's transferring from Washington who's an absolute missile as far as like playing linebacker goes. They seem to have filled in some of the gaps in offensive line. 
which they wanted to, and linebacker, which is what they're really going after. They've got a BYU legacy from uh, Jason Anderson, who's – I remember when I played football at BYU, I seriously saw Jason Anderson, and I thought, that's the biggest human being I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never even seen – I mean, he goes like 6'8". When, when we were in college, he was like 6'8", 300. He could run. He played in the league for the Patriots. His son, Teague Anderson, is playing for the Aggies. Um, so there's there's just some there's some indications that one they really know how to use this portal and two they're going to continue to fill in the gaps the way they need to and man with with Logan Bonner and 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 these quarterbacks on the on <clears throat> on the team I think you have to say that they they have a legitimate chance to make a run at the championship now will be will it be as good as this year I don't know I mean I I mean look it's 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 arguably the best team in the history of Utah State, uh, with the exception of you know maybe 2018, 2012, and I guess 1961. But you're talking about you're talking about easily top five team. So to replicate that is going to be tough next year. But I think there's been enough success in the last nine, ten years at Utah State. I mean. I think what is it? Nine out of the last eleven years, they've been to a bowl game. I think you're starting to. I think you really have to say, if you're a Utah State fan, this is kind of the golden era of being a Utah State fan. Now, the argument of the older generation is like, well, bowl games are like a dime a dozen now. Like you can go to a bowl game, you know, for nothing. But hey, back in the day, we weren't even bowl eligible. You know, and so at least they're bowl eligible every year and giving themselves a chance to do something. But this is a this is a really really good era for Utah State football, and I think Blake Anderson. I mean, hopefully he's the guy that's you know the Urban Meyer equivalent that really takes him to the next level and really becomes like you know starts to put it to to Boise State when they need to and starts to put together amazing seasons for Utah State. And then you just kind of go, wow, okay, this is exactly where you've always wanted to be. Now let's take advantage of it. And so, I it, listen, it's it's a good time to be an Aggie. It's always a good time to be an Aggie, but it was especially good this weekend. So there's one football game left for the locals now, now that BYU and Utah State are done. The Utes and the Buckeyes in the Rose Bowl. It's time to talk about that non-so- nonstop and obsess. Where would you like to start? One thing today that you would like the people to consider about the granddaddy? Ooh. Well, I, I, the, the, the one thing that's just really fun, and I've, I've never been to that game. I've been to that stadium. I know people that have played in that game. I had teammates that played with me at Snow College that went to Wisconsin and played in that game. It's just a, it's just a really fun game, right? It's a really fun game to think about. It's a really fun game even from the prestige of having gone to the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. But I think, I, think, I think part of this is just kind of, it's kind of fun for me to think that they're playing a traditional Big Ten team in the Rose Bowl. They're playing Ohio State. I mean, that's just kind of a, I mean, that's a good name. You go, you win that game, you know, it's like beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Like, there's, there's nobody that can say that you're not a legitimate team if you go and you win this Rose Bowl. And I think, I think Cam Rising, I think you give him four weeks to prepare. I think Kyle Whittingham, you give him four weeks to prepare. You, you, 
you take you know Morgan Scally and give him four weeks to prepare. I think I think this is a scary team right now. I I, I don't think if there was a twelve game playoff or even a you know a sixteen game playoff, I don't think anybody in the top sixteen would want to be playing Utah right now. Oh hell no! <laughs> Thanks, Booner. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been a Utah homer. I mean, you've always just been all about the Utes. So, since, you know, before, hell, about it, since before he was born. I mean, <laughs> you look at my background growing up back east. I was like the lone Ute fan on my block. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I was on to you, and he just admitted it. Everybody I mean, listened. Yeah, just admitted yeah. it. He's a Utah homer. I go back to Lee Gross Cup and Larry Wilson. Ooh. Larry Wilson was in my office the other day. That's a, that was a nice pull right there. That's a, well, that's a, not, that's not the Larry Wilson who was the Hall of Famer who played safety. <laughs> okay, maybe not that one. I'm thinking of the, the former Highland Harriman coach who's like a, a legend coach. Yeah. 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 Well, Riley, we appreciate it. Congrats on your Aggies Bowl win. And now uh, the countdown is on. We got on this side of Christmas and then the hype for the Rose Bowl, really. There'll be people in the airport every day and Cars headed it's gonna be south. Fun. It's a fun. It's a fun time to be a fan of football in the state of Utah right now. A yeah, really absolutely. fun time. Yep. Thanks, Riley. Okay, guys. Thanks, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> the granddaddy PK. But it's 11 days away now. Yeah, I think the hype needs to start now, and I think it's absolutely awesome. This is the biggest, best thing that's ever happened to Utah football. This has been the dream for decades, that the local teams are going to play on big stages with the big boys, and there are all these steps along the way, you know, scheduling home and homes, facing them in bowl games, and we can go along, but there's nothing higher than the Rose Bowl. There'll be one game on TV, and the whole country will be watching it. And I'll be watching it, too. Yeah, I'll be watching go. it in person. Looking forward to it very, very much. All right. The countdown's on. 11 days to the Rose Bowl. We're joined right now by Joshua Creek, Supportive Services Manager at the Road Home. Joshua, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. The Road Home Radiothon continues, and for those of you who'd like to donate and support the Road Home, you can go online at theroadhome.org or call 801-819-7300. And Joshua, Supportive Services Manager, we talk about you know, 2,000 people served by, or 2,000 children served by the Road Home in the last year, 6,800 people. You do supportive services, so what kind of supportive services do you provide? What, what is your job like? What kind of impact are you making? Yeah, uh, it's actually wonderful. Uh, what we get to do is we get to help f- people find housing and get them into uh, a stable place to live long-term and off the streets. Uh, our mission is really to end homelessness and work, uh, do the work of getting people connected into housing and uh, create a foundation for everything uh, to, to build their life off of. And that's kind of the foundation of everything we do. Uh, last year, we assisted 3,396 uh, individuals with housing. Uh, our role here at the Men's Resource Center is to locate individuals in shelter that are looking for that housing and provide them with the services they need in order to get into that uh, housing. So how does the supportive housing work? Are there individuals or businesses providing you with apartment units, condos, houses? How, how does that work? 
Yeah, we're we're in the same uh, same ballpark as everyone else. We're we're out there looking, uh, pounding the pavement. We have housing locator teams here uh, that look for apartments to uh, connect with landlords or property management companies uh, and get them um, to to you know rent an apartment to to one of our clients. And um, stay here at the Source Center. They they move into those places uh, all throughout our community. Um, you know, we, we work with individuals and businesses every day. So we have a, a long list of, uh, for people who don't know how this works, we have a long list of facts and bullet points we can share. And one jumps out at me here. $45 donation covers the application cost for an individual seeking housing. For people who haven't moved, uh, who haven't moved around, looking for housing can be as expensive as paying for housing. Is that one of the things you guys are dealing with? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we deal with is not just applications for housing, but then you also have deposits, right, or first month's rent. Uh, and, you know, when you're, you're down on your luck or you're, you're struggling to make ends meet, that's a huge, inc- uh, a huge cost to, to move into housing when you're uh, especially starting from the street. So, Joshua, one pitch. Why should people donate? Why should they pick up the phone right now at 801-819-7300 or log on to theroadhome.org and make a donation? Absolutely. Uh, we have a ton of folks out in our community right now that need uh, our community to come together and assist them, and we're the uh, vector for that. Uh, we are here every single day, day in, day out, 24-7, providing emergency shelter and low-barrier assistance to, to help individuals move into housing and away from uh, the streets and able to move on with their lives. Uh, that is our mission. That is what we do. It's the, the foundation of what we, we strive to achieve. Uh, we are seeking to end homelessness. We are seeking to um, provide as much assistance as humanly possible uh, by doing research, by analyzing and finding new opportunities, adapting to situations. That's what the road home does. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. Uh, we start with that. Um, and we invite the community to come join us as we, we move forward throughout the next year. Joshua, we appreciate all you do. Thanks a lot. If you'd like to support Joshua, go online to theroadhome.org and make a donation now or call 801-819-7300. 801-819-7300. Joshua, thanks a lot. Thank you and happy holidays.